Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You've tuned in to Sci-Fi Fidelity, Episode 53, Resurrected Characters. Welcome back, everybody. It's Mike and Dave with you once again, and we're back with another discussion topic. And these are becoming my favorite <laughs> editions of the podcast now that we've uh, separated them out from the show topics and the interviews, because not only does it give us a chance to, you know, involve the listening audience, but also it tends to be a little bit more broad across science fiction and genre television in general. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, Mike. And this is a topic that when I say near and dear to my heart, that's not exactly true. Uh, because if you follow my other podcast, Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, you may remember several years ago on a take five, I did an episode, When is Dead Dead? Oh, right. I remember that one. And it was sparked by a death on Lost Girl, which was a show Wayne and I were covering at the time. And for me personally, it's something I struggle with in terms of shows that employ deaths and then rebirths and resurrections and i suppose that means it's a good thing i'm not a fan of supernatural because uh, (laughs) an article i was reading in tv guide uh, says that sam and dean have died 117 times yeah Uh, i believe that was in 2014 it's a rite of passage in supernatural where just about every character has died at least once so yeah and it's funny too because not so much when this podcast was released but when we're recording it it comes right on the heels of a major character death in The Magicians, which um, recently had its season four finale. And I just want to note before we get started on this discussion topic that if you haven't seen some of these shows that have resurrected characters, because resurrections can be very pivotal to the story, as you hear the show that we're going to be talking about, make sure you fast forward through the section that you don't want to get spoiled on, because there are potentially some spoilers and that's not always the case with our discussion topic, but it can be touchy, like Dave said, where sometimes it's like, really, <laughs> when are the consequences for being dead really going to be final for some of these shows? But these are some of our favorite resurrected characters that would you say these were done correctly for the most part? Yeah, I believe so. And I think the fan reaction would have been, thank goodness, rather than really. <laughs> yeah. So let me go ahead and start. And, and I'm going to delve into the X-Files and Fox Mulder, which for me, arguably, is the show that really started the genre television revolution. I know there were shows before that, but I think in in 93, the X-Files with its combination of standalone episodes and serialized story arcs really grabbed hold of so many viewers and, and set the table for so many other shows. But... Episode 15 of season eight, which is obviously very late in the series, an episode called Dead Alive, following an alien abduction and subsequent death, Fox Mulder is buried. 
Now, as a fan at that point, we know David Duchovny was having all sorts of contract issues with Fox and the X-Files. So it really didn't come as that big a shock and it didn't come as that big of a, a, you know, really a deal. I mean, we love Mulder and Scully, but a young man wakes just before an autopsy is performed on him. And suddenly that sparks something in Walter Skinner, who insists that Mulder's body be exhumed. Of course, they find signs of life, albeit weak. And, you know, as I said, Duchovny left the series at the end of season seven, was replaced by Robert Patrick, who plays John Doggett. But I think the important thing in this episode is also the fact that Scully is pregnant with a child that is presumably Mulder's Crycheck, who obviously is near and dear to our hearts for a number of series that we've covered. And he's doing his best to see that the child is not born. So with Mulder revived, reunited with Scully, sets up classic scene he comes out of his coma and asks her who are you and it turns out he's just joking (laughs) did they did they carry that over across the transition between episodes uh i don't believe so (laughs) oh good yeah it's been a while but uh you know if if you're not a fan of the x-files well you should be and of course that set up the reboot of the x-files itself if Mulder had died we wouldn't have had that right opportunity so yeah good Good resurrection to start off with. I'm going to start with a classic as well that certainly was brought up by our listeners on the Facebook group who we're going to share some answers from a little bit later on. And that's Buffy Summers from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who died at the end of season five and was resurrected at the beginning of season six. And this was really a pivotal moment for this character. And of course, you know, the slight death that she already had that brought faith to the forefront and other slayers that took over from her after she supposedly died. That's not the least of it, but in the season five finale glory, who I think is perhaps the worst Buffy villain ever. I hated her, but she sought to sacrifice Buffy's sister Dawn to start an apocalypse. Then Buffy realized she had the same blood as Dawn and therefore could take her place in that uh, regard and put it together with a vision from the first slayer who told her death is your gift. And so she figured she would give her life to save the world basically. And she jumps into the portal between dimensions instead of Dawn and even has a gravestone. You talked about Mulder having been buried. (laughs) She actually was in her grave. The epitaph said she saved the world. A lot, (laughs) which was a great line that she had on her gravestone. But in the season six opener, it's been months and the Buffy bot has been covering for her a little bit. But, you know, that's only so effective at pretending to keep Sunnydale safe. And Willow announces plans to cast a resurrection spell, but a demon biker gang attack disrupts it, you know, as happens. (laughs) And the spell that Willow is interrupted still works. And Buffy is trapped awake in her own coffin. And she's not quite the same after that, as you might imagine. She's wondering if she's in hell, tries to restage her death. And of course, the musical episode that comes later in the season reveals that she was in heaven when they pulled her out, which adds to the tragedy. But great character to resurrect. And um, a number of different reasons behind her death were actually necessary for other characters to come into the show. And her resurrection was 
very much earned in terms of the consequences it had for the character. Yeah. And as you know, I came to Buffy late and I am still in season five, so I haven't actually gotten to this episode, but don't worry about the spoiler. I (laughs) already knew about it because I I think I don't want to say this is perhaps the most important of the resurrected characters that we're going to talk about. I think so many people undervalue Buffy and that's only because they've never really devoted the time to it. And I'd urge anybody read the book, why Buffy matters. It's uh, just amazing. Yeah, And the farther we get away from the series having aired, the more people haven't actually dove into the archives to, to enjoy that series. So I know a lot of our listeners have seen it, but yeah, I hope it, remains part of the rewatch must see for audiences out there. Oh, I think it will. Now I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there. Come on. Where's Jon Snow? Well, here's Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah. You got to do Jon Snow. <laughs> Game of Thrones season six, episode two titled home. And if you follow Game of Thrones, you know that Jon Snow is the illegitimate son of Ned Stark. Or is he? Or- <laughs> for those of you that are, are caught up on the season eight, but uh, he joins the Night's Watch to try to carve out a place for himself because he, he really never felt at peace in the Stark family. There were a few that were that were kind to him, but for the most part, he really felt alone. He rises to the rank of Lord Commander, but the battle with the Wildlings proves his undoing, and he's actually killed by his Night's Watch brothers in an act that they think is going to uphold the Watch's neutrality so that they can get back to what their task at hand has always been, and that's guarding the wall. He's dead a while, John is, and after his death, his body, some of his brothers still loyal to him end up trapped in this room when Davos eventually urges Melisandre to try to resurrect John. And if you know the lady in red, you know she's got some powers. And even Game of Thrones is not immune from the biggest trope out there. And at first, her efforts appear to have failed. But at the last moment, he comes to exacts revenge on those who killed him in the first place, which oh, is just everybody. When you get to that scene, you're just standing up. Yes, John <laughs> sets things in order at the Night's Watch and then ultimately reunites with his half sister Sansa. So, uh, again, Game of Thrones fans, uh, this is a no brainer. Yeah. And I like the fact that, you know, you're supposed to serve as King of the North until death. And he's like, well, I did that. <laughs> I served until my death. Therefore, now I'm leaving. (laughs) Yes. So that worked out very well for the character, uh, his journey forward from there. But yeah, we're going to definitely delve into a little bit more obscure examples. Those are probably among the top three of all people's list of best resurrections. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one that's a little bit more contemporary and some that might have been off the radar for some folks. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, we're back and we're talking about the best resurrections in genre television. And I had to do one that is currently airing. And that's American gods. And of course, with gods involved in any plot line, you're going to have some resurrections. But the resurrection of Laura Moon is actually central to the evolution of the character Shadow Moon, who's the protagonist of the show, of course. And in episode four of season one, Get Gone, we see that through some metaphysical means, Laura Moon has been resurrected after Shadow kind of got the bad news in when he was in prison that his wife had died just before his release. And in fact, he actually is released from prison a few days early. You'd think that would be good, but no, the reason behind that is because he's to attend the funeral of his wife and to add insult to injury. Laura died in a car crash while engaged in intimate activities with the man she was having an affair with, which shadow is just now finding out about So it's not necessarily a situation where you're like, okay, the first thing he's going to want to know is how can I bring her back to life? No, (laughs) he just wants to know why this happened. You know, they were in love. Why was she having an affair? And while he's trying to figure things out, Shadow casually flings a piece of leprechaun gold that he won from Mad Sweeney onto Laura's grave while he's mourning her. And this piece of leprechaun gold actually resurrects her. And now she's super strong, though mostly undead and kind of falling apart, which kind of adds a little bit of a macabre humor to the situation. Have you seen this show, Dave? Do you know who Laura Moon is and all that? Uh, Well, you know what? As I've said a few times that I've tried several times to get through the book and and I probably got about 230 or so pages into it. So I've certainly been way past this scene. So, yes, I I know who she is from the book, not, not the show. Yeah, I didn't get all the way through season one and I certainly haven't checked in with season two. But since this resurrection is key to season one, and the evolution of the main character. Um, it's really kind of cool. And in fact, they do spend some time in a later episode or the episode that I mentioned, get gone. Her resurrection and her recovery are pretty gruesome. As we watch it happen, she's vomiting formaldehyde, excreting embalming fluid. And she even loses an arm at one point that has to be sewn back on, but she's devoted to shadow now in her resurrected life. And his affection stirs life in her, but She's still dependent on that gold piece, which now is inside her. It glows every now and then. And Mad Sweeney wants it back. And it's the only thing keeping her alive. So her death and resurrection are wrapped up in manipulation of Shadow by Mr. Wednesday, who, of course, orchestrated the whole thing from start to finish, as we find out as the season goes on. But yeah, gods are not necessarily the most scrupulous of beings when you go outside of the the uh, Christian um, monotheistic system, <laughs> the pantheon of gods from, from old 
don't necessarily have everyone's best interest at heart. And Laura Moon's resurrection is caught up in that larger drama between gods. Right. And just so you know, when you mentioned the intimate activities, I'm uh, still cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, I think the final two characters we're going to talk about will take us on a bit of a lighter tone. Yes. And from the good place, Eleanor Shellstrop and her resurrection, and I'm making air quotes with resurrection, is, of course, part of the basic narrative in the good place, because it's about a group of people who find themselves in the good place, which they perceive to be heaven. Now, I would argue that maybe the resurrection doesn't necessarily happen until, what, season three or something when she actually goes back to Earth, because resurrection into the good place is just kind of what happens after death, or, you know, would would that be accurate to say, or, or is this a different kind of resurrection? Well, I no, well no, I think it, it would certainly be accurate, and I think with, with her character, especially, you could even use the word resurrection outside of the traditional way we've been using it to this point because for her prior to dying she was a selfish rude dishonest person only cared about herself and she ends up in the good place by mistake so she realizes that there was a clerical error she really should have been sent to the bad place and she attempts to learn about ethics from another character named cheaty so that she can avoid being sent to the bad place. And in a sense, it's, it's this ethical resurrection that she also goes through. And, and I, what you're talking about in season three is, is more of the traditional resurrection that we're talking about. But I like how they really come at her character from different ways, because initially she just wants to learn about ethics as part of her self-preservation. I mean, she doesn't want to go to the bad place. Who would? But she gradually becomes more selfless, thoughtful as time goes by. And then Michael tells her that she was killed when she was hit by a tractor carrying a billboard for erectile dysfunction pills <laughs> yeah. after she dropped her margarita mix in the parking lot. It really gives us, I guess, much more of a complete picture who Eleanor Shellstrop is and she's a great character it's a great show and and i think we talked about it on the podcast of maybe about a year or so back yeah and it adds to the pathos of her death as well and i think a number of the characters had equally awkward deaths as well <laughs> right and i guess i guess what i like about her is, is the ethical and emotional transformation that we see out of her she never loses that fire that makes her such a great character but she becomes one of those characters that, ah, darn it, I don't want to do the right thing, but all right, I will anyway. Exactly. And, and uh, a number of the characters also are resurrected, but yeah, she has that more pronounced transformation. And you stuck with the comedy. I'm going with the comedy as well for my last one. It's a character from Pushing Daisies, which you know goes back to the vault a little bit now. Um, Charlotte chuck charles from that show was resurrected as part of the core premise of the show just as you mentioned with the good place so brian fuller it must be said must really like resurrections because he's the guy behind dead like me american gods which we just talked about and pushing daisies here 
And the premise of Pushing Daisies, for those who are not familiar, was that a man named Ned discovered that he could resurrect anyone with a touch. But if he didn't touch them again within one minute, someone else would die. Someone, someone would have to pay the price for him having resurrected this other person. And he uses this power to help Emerson Codd, a PI who solves murders. And so there's kind of a case of the week using this power in a fashion that helps them get some testimony from the dead person. But Chuck, the character we're talking about, is Ned's childhood sweetheart, whose father was killed when Ned was still learning his power, which was secret for a time. And when Chuck is murdered on a cruise early on in the series, her death becomes an ongoing pursuit of someone known as the shiny shoes killer. So it becomes this ongoing crime to solve in addition to the crimes of the week. So Ned brings her back to life, but then what happens is they can't ever touch again because if he touches her a second time, she'll die. Even after that one minute expiration date uh, has caused the death of someone else. So what it does is it creates this really interesting tension between the two characters who love each other and they can't really be intimate, but they find different ways to get around that. Sometimes even kissing through plastic wrap. And so it really is an interesting way to have that. Will they or won't they tension that other shows have, but having a good reason behind it, you know, a life or death reason. And so the resurrection of Chuck is just a really cool idea that, you know, the character herself has no problem with. She seems to accept it very quickly and incorporate it into her way of life moving forward. Cool. It's a show that I just was always off my radar and I've heard nothing but good things. Sounds intriguing. I just have never gotten to it. Yeah. I had to fit in at least one obscure example (laughs) to fit in there, but let's go ahead and hear what our listeners had to say on the Facebook group. Um, This is a discussion that goes on every time we have a discussion topic. You can participate on Facebook or Twitter and share with us your favorite examples. And let's go ahead and start off with Joe, who reminds us that Tasha Yar died in Star Trek and came back. And that was an interesting one to share. He also mentioned that multiple characters in 12 Monkeys were resurrected, but he didn't want to say who, just in case some people haven't seen that. That was very spoiler sensitive of you, Joe. Yeah, I guess, you know, I always wonder what what's the uh, limitation on putting spoilers out there. I mean, you know, in, in the legal arena, we have statute of limitations. Is there one for spoilers? There should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of these are, are deep in the vault. But, I, you know, I did do that spoiler warning at the beginning of the podcast here. But Elisa mentioned The Walking Dead's Glenn and the Dumpster. And since I haven't seen that show, I'll take your word for it, Elisa. <laughs> and uh, Christopher mentioned, of course phil colson uh the whole premise of agents of shield kind of hinges on his resurrection from the avengers movie so that's a good one cool tahiti that's right and bonita also mentioned john snow and buffy faith brought up the winchesters as you did at the beginning of the podcast dave and here's one uh dave daryl brought up john locke that's a great one. Oh, you know, I forgot all about John Locke. You know, Lost is that show. I keep telling myself, you know what? Even though you've seen each episode four times, <laughs> it's been long enough. You need to go back. You mean you watched it four times? Yes. During the actual run? Yes, because at that time, <laughs> it was on once a week. We weren't podcasting yet. I had time. <laughs> there wasn't as much fair out there so that I would watch it 
multiple times during the week just to take it all in. Yep. And then uh, Linda brought up a, a one that I kind of consciously or subconsciously forget because it's so painful. And that's Fred and Illyria from Angel because <laughs> that one always gets me. And then she also says there were some resurrections recently in Star Trek Discovery, but didn't want to say because of spoilers. And that one definitely is within the statute of limitations. And then David brought up Buffy, Sheridan from Babylon 5, multiple Game of Thrones characters, because you can't forget, it's not just Jon Snow. My favorite example is The Mountain. And then a whole group of characters in Glitch, the Australian show. And he he mentioned Daniel Jackson, who became a god and came back. Does that count as a resurrection? <laughs> I guess. You know, I forgot about that. Huh. Now, I, I'm not going to go back and watch SG-1. That's <laughs> too many episodes, but oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I think that fits. And then Taltos can't forget Captain Jack, I guess, in Doctor Who, or which which was it in that he actually died and resurrected? I don't even know. I guess it's multiple times. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure to tell you the truth. He just basically is invulnerable, right? Yeah. And then she also brought up Spike in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who also died and came back. And then Michael brought up Picard in the TNG episode Tapestry. So that's a good one also that maybe escaped our attention. Now, I also shared this discussion thread with the Den of Geek page uh, just to sort of garner some publicity for the podcast. And it worked out pretty well, although a lot of people shared some non-sci-fi examples like Sherlock and Bobby Ewing <laughs> from Dallas. But we did have a couple of good ones. We had a bunch of Winchester gifts shared as a response. And then David brought up Optimus Prime, which definitely uh, Transformers are aliens. So that definitely fits into the sci-fi genre. And I also want to mention that Owen brought up Spock, who is a great resurrection that needs to be mentioned as well. So that was a lot of great contributions. And I guess I didn't realize when we started this podcast topic, Dave, how many examples we could have pulled from. Uh, Maybe in light of some of the ones that the listeners brought up, ours may have been a bit more obscure, but that's okay. Well, that is okay. And, you you know, we never said it was the best resurrections, just resurrections. And and it generated comments and it generated people really going back into their personal vaults. Right. And there is an article on Den of Geek called The Best Resurrections in Television that I urge you to read because, you know, we pulled some examples from there as well. So uh, definitely check that out. So those were a bunch of great examples and we want to thank everybody who participated in that discussion on social media. But Dave, what do we have coming up next in our interview segment that might appeal to a very broad audience, both TV watchers, gamers and moviegoers? Well, that would be Deborah Ann Wall. And dude, I what I watched Relics and Rarities, I just have to tell you, it's like nothing I've ever seen. Uh, you know, from talking to me over the years, I was never a Dungeons and Dragons fan. I just missed that time period. It's something that I probably would have been into as a younger guy, but I just, it passed me by. So uh, to to see the enthusiasm coming out of her over this. And then, of course, we talked to her about her latest project and just a fun time. Yeah, exactly. We actually got in contact with her because of a DVD release for her movie. But since this is this is a TV uh, podcast, we couldn't wait to talk to her about her YouTube show through Geek and Sundry and also a little bit about her past TV work, including Daredevil 
and True Blood. So stay tuned for that interview next week. But that's going to be it for this episode of Sci-Fi Fidelity. Keep the discussion going on social media. You can follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. And we are at Sci-Fi Fidelity. And in the meantime, we'd love it if you could rate and review this podcast wherever you access it. And be sure to send us your suggestions for future topics on social media or in an email to sci-fi fidelity at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.